thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to This Week in Wellness with Brett Hill. Real news, real health, real quick. Hi, I'm Brett Hill. And this week in wellness, Australian researchers have called into question the use of opioids for acute neck and back pain as research shows that the drugs may be no more effective than placebo. Opioid use has been a hot topic over the last decade as the impacts of side effects and the potential for misuse and dependency have been further understood. Despite this, lead author Christine Lin, a professor at the University of Sydney's Institute for Musculoskeletal Health, stated that about 40% of people get prescribed an opioid for back pain if they go to their GP, and about 70% receive an opioid if they turn up in the emergency department. The research, published in The Lancet by researchers from the University of Sydney, is critical of this, stating that taking opioids for acute low back and neck pain is not helpful. The study looked at almost 350 people who presented to their GP or emergency department with acute, sudden back or neck pain and randomly allocated them to a short course of oxycodone naloxone tablets or a placebo. Participants in both groups were encouraged to avoid bed rest and stay active and were reassured that their back pain would improve as per standard treatment guidelines. At six weeks, the researchers found participants who received opioids did not have better pain relief than those who'd given a placebo, and after 12 months, the pain outcomes were slightly better in the placebo group. The trial also found that participants who received opioids were at a small but significantly increased risk of opioid misuse after 12 months. A small number of people who start on opioids will end up using opioids long-term. And we know that the long-term use of opioids can lead to some very serious consequences, they said. Every day in Australia, there are nearly 150 hospitalisations involving issues related to opioid use. And there are three deaths from prescription opioid use each day as well. Despite the findings, senior pain medicine specialist Dr Michael Vag said the study was not anywhere near strong enough to prompt a change in guidelines and that opioids still had a place as long as they were used judiciously and for a short period of time, pointing out that the particular opioid used was not the one generally prescribed in these cases. However, he did acknowledge that there's a significant awareness that non-drug treatments is the right way to go, but that is not being followed with adequate funding. Dr. Vag has also previously received funding from pharmaceutical companies to provide educational talks on the safe use of opioids. As always, the links are in the show notes. And my opinion on this is that the dangers of opioids are very real and have been shown to be more and more real over recent years, including addiction and overdose. And so a higher standard of proof is required in order for these drugs to be given to people. And I think we've really been starting to recognize that over recent years. We've seen greater and greater restrictions on who can take opioids and how often they can be referred for and for how long people can keep taking them. There's a real issue of tolerance here as well in that the the effects of them do wear off over time and so over time what we see is a reduction in the effectiveness of the medication and an increase in the risks and so we really need to be careful of of how and when we are prescribing these medications and and as I said when we're now seeing that it may not be any better than placebo yet 40 to 70 percent of people are getting recommended these medications then I do think that does require at the very least further study um, and potentially drastic changes to the guidelines you know it's pleasing to see both sides of the argument acknowledge that there is a need for more support for non-drug 
care. And, and I think, you know, in light of recent research suggesting chiropractic may help reduce opioid usage by up to 50% that I've shared previously on this podcast, then I would hope that things like chiropractic, you know, non-surgical, non-medical interventions for back pain and neck pain care will get some of that support and some of that funding in order to be able to further investigate the potential of you know, chiropractic care and, as I said, other forms of holistic non medication related non-surgery related care that may be able to help in these cases you know i find it interesting that the the guidelines suggest that you know people are given a reassurance that their pain will improve yeah and i get why they would do that you know that the mental side of it is really important and it does seem like there is a lot of support for researching the mental and emotional side of back pain and i understand that that can play an important role and then that's critical too. However, I think we do need to acknowledge the physical side, you know, the spinal side, the neurological side of this pain as well and make sure that we are supporting those therapies that may well be able to help these patients. Once again, in a non- therapeutic in a non-drug in a non-surgery related way to overcome these pains uh, and to reduce their reliance on these opioid medications and so i do hope that there is support and funding flowing that way as well so you know if you are suffering from you know back pain if you are suffering from acute neck pain then i do recommend that you speak to your healthcare provider and you specifically speak to them about you know drug free surgery free alternatives first uh, that do potentially have significantly less side effects and can potentially get the same if not better results for your back pain and your neck pain and so seek those alternatives including chiropractic care for your neck pain and your back pain because you know there are some real risks here that you need to make sure that you're being aware of and you need to really make sure you're you're balancing the pros and the cons You've been listening to This Week in Wellness with Brett Hill. To continue the conversation, find us on Facebook and Instagram at This Week in Wellness. If you like this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. And for more information about this and other projects from me, head to drbretthill.com. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.